It's that time once again, press fans, coming to you from Altman Studios in downtown Brentwood to your ears wherever you are. This is Clocked In With The Press. I'm Jacob Menez. Here with me are my co-hosts. Melissa Van Ruten. I'm Caitlin Gleason. And press editor Kyle Szymanski on sports. Hello. Today we'll be doing some national coverage. We'll talk about the Byron Hot Springs and we have a special announcement at the end of this episode as well. But first, here's a word from this week's sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Sip and Scoop in downtown Brentwood. Sip and Scoop delivers smiles for miles, sip by sip and scoop by scoop. Gelato, Italian ice, and signature coffee beverages are just a few of the delicious treats on their menu. Stop by Sip and Scoop at 234 Oak Street in downtown Brentwood to get your fix. They're also on DoorDash. Thank you so much to our wonderful sponsor. Following Monday's release of the Politico article suggesting that a draft U.S. Supreme Court document that suggested a majority of justices may vote to overturn the landmark 1973 case Roe v. Wade, which gave women the choice over their own reproductive rights, Governor Gavin Newsom delivered a scathing written response calling the draft opinion, quote, an appalling attack on the rights of women across this country, end quote. Along with the article, the news outlet also released the full 98-page draft majority opinion document written by Conservative Justice Samuel Alito. Early on Tuesday, Chief Justice John Roberts confirmed that the leaked document was authentic and called for an investigation into its disclosure, saying in a written statement, quote, This was a singular and egregious breach of the court's trust that is an affront to the court and the community of public servants who work here, end quote. If the conservative justices currently listed as being in favor of overturning Roe v. Wade, Clarence Thomas, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett, along with Alito, hold the majority, it would end a half-century of federal constitutional protection of abortion rights and hand the decision on whether or not to ban abortions to individual states. While the leaked document is only a draft, the final decision is likely to be published within the next two months. California State Senate President Pro Tempore Tony G. Atkins, Assembly Speaker Anthony Rendon, and Governor Newsom released the following joint statement about the proposition of an amendment to the California State Constitution. Quote, California will not stand idly by as women across America are stripped of their rights and the progress so many have fought for gets erased. We will fight. California is proposing an amendment to enshrine the right to choose in our state constitution so that there is no doubt as to the right of abortion in this state. We know we can't trust the Supreme Court to protect reproductive rights, so California will build a firewall around this right in our state constitution. Women will remain protected here, end quote. One thing to be made clear, though, about this is that Roe v. Wade has not been overturned yet. It's a draft opinion that actually still has to go through all of the legal procedures that come with overturning a Supreme Court decision before it actually can happen. Before we move on to the next topic, this is a good chance to remind listeners that we do have a new email address for the podcast, podcasts at brentwoodpress.com. Share your opinions on these stories as we're talking about them, and we may read them on the air next week. That being said, the next story. As of May 1st, Medi-Cal, California's health coverage program for low-income people and families, is expanding eligibility for full coverage to more than 185,000 individuals who are 50 years of age or older, regardless of immigration status. People added include those 50 years of age or older who are eligible for Medi-Cal, who are not in the U.S. legally, or are unable to be in the country legally for full scope of Medi-Cal and are not yet enrolled in Medi-Cal. It also includes people who are enrolled in restricted scope Medi-Cal. 
The state has worked for the last several years to extend health coverage to more Californians. In May 2016, children under 19 years of age became eligible for full-scope Medi-Cal benefits, and in January 2020, full-scope Medi-Cal was extended to young adults ages 19 through 25, regardless of immigration status. Previously, these individuals only qualified for limited Medi-Cal services, such as emergency, prenatal, and long-term care. Now, they can access the full range of benefits available to Medi-Cal beneficiaries, including no-cost or low-cost quality health, behavioral health, substance use disorder services, and dental services through the various delivery systems under the Medi-Cal program. So if you are age 50 or older, regardless of your immigration status, and you have not applied for Medi-Cal, you can do so as of May 1st. I look forward to seeing how people debate the best method to go about implementing this. It's very much a wait-and-see thing. The East Contra Costa Historical Society Museum will reopen after being closed for two years this Saturday, May 7th. The museum at 3890 Sellers Avenue is composed of several buildings with displays that show the history of our area. Longtime local educator Mary Black said, quote, During that time, we have redone all displays in the house and the tool shed and look forward to having visitors. It looks fabulous. End quote. The East Contra Costa Historical Museum is open Saturdays and the third Sunday of each month from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. through October. School tours are also held during the week. Admission is free. For details, visit www.eastcontracostahistory.org. I love the East Contra Costa Historical Society Museum. It's a wealth of knowledge for all the history in this area. The elementary school kids, they do field trips out there, and it really is a gem. So get out there and support our historical society. This is the museum with the big train in the front, right? Yes. Okay, I did go on one of those elementary field trips. It's a very lovely place, and the people are really, really nice. An application for the Byron Hot Springs building went before the Byron Municipal Advisory Council for approval for some much-needed repairs. This is not a development plan, but a simple proposal to stabilize the building, according to Robert Court, whose mother owns the property. Court said he is concerned that if work isn't done soon to save the foundation, there won't be a building left to save. He said he currently doesn't know what the building will eventually be developed as. Though the MAC does not have land use authority, their recommendation is considered by the county when issuing permits for work and development. In this case, the MAC voted 3-1 to one to approve the application submitted by owner Vera Court. Chairperson Linda Thuman made the sole vote against approval over concerns the work be in line with the building's status on the National Register of Historic Places. The Byron Hot Springs Hotel building and surrounding property are historically significant for a number of reasons. During its history, the hot springs on the property were known and used by indigenous peoples, Spanish settlers, Mexican ranchers, and pioneers during the John Marsh era. The Federal Land Commission became involved once California became a state in 1850, and then Risden Iron Works of San Francisco surveyed, mapped, fenced, and improved the springs. The property saw the first non-agricultural commercial development in East County, and people from all over would come to drink the medicinal waters. Once the hotel went in, it was one of the only five-star hotels in the state in 1906, and by the 1920s, it was a popular spot for celebrities, business tycoons, and other wealthy patrons. The history of the building took a darker turn during World War II when it served as a secret military interrogation facility for Japanese prisoners of war before they were shipped to camps in the Midwest for the duration of the fighting. Now the building has fallen victim to time, the elements, and vandals. I have yet to go out and see this building. I'm dying to see this building. I love learning about the history of it, and I love to see the old photos of it, you know, and obviously as a photographer, it has a draw for me. I want to go out and be able to take photos, but I also, 
you know, don't want to be arrested for trespassing. So I'm excited I, for the work. I know it's just a renovation sort of thing, but I'm excited to see where it goes. I would love to see it maybe turned into a museum that features our natural history and also exhibits on the indigenous history of the area. I think that would be really special to have. Yeah, thank you for bringing the story, Caitlin. Even though this is a fairly local landmark, a lot of the history that you read, I really was unaware of it This, you know, so far. Mm-hmm. I was also unaware of the history about how it was an interrogation center during World War II. I do want to see it turned into a museum because I think it's as important to remember those darker parts of history as it is to remember the history of like John Marsh because there were indigenous peoples and then it was settled and then there were ranchers and pioneers. And then, you know, all of that does need to be included because that's an important thing for us to remember as a community. I believe the hot spring's somewhat infamous for being, you know, allegedly haunted. Yes, in high school, everyone thought that it was haunted. Yeah, that's exactly what I remember as well. Any abandoned place, right, is going to get a reputation as being haunted. Yeah, but an abandoned hotel. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Super haunted. (laughs) Speaking of history, the Liberty Boys volleyball team made history this week, winning the BVAL title for its first time in the school's more than 100-year history. The team went on to the North Coast section playoffs, but unfortunately lost to Dublin. Staying on that history beat, the Freedom Boys Volleyball team made the playoffs for the first time in its school's history. The school's been around since 1996, but unfortunately the Falcons fell to College Park in the first round. Deer Valley also fell in the first round of the playoffs to Amador Valley, but the news wasn't all bad for the Bay Valley Athletic League. Heritage upset Castro Valley in the opening round to advance to the second round. And the Patriots will battle Amador Valley tonight, May 5th, for a chance to go to the volleyball semifinals. So rewinding it just a little bit to Liberty High School winning the title. Explain to me how they win a title but still lose to Dublin. Like, how did that work? All right. So there's the regular season and the playoffs. So the Liberty won the regular season title. They advanced to the playoffs. But unfortunately, in the first round... Dublin beat them. So what was their record in the regular season? Well, Liberty went 20-8 and and 10-0 and against East County teams, which is where it, they won the title. That is really impressive. So congratulations to all the teams. More good news was made by Freedom High School this week when the Freedom High School stunt cheer team beat league rival Liberty, Emmanuel Valley, and Clayton Valley en route to winning its North Coast section title on April 30th at Freedom High School. The second seed Falcons got by seventh seed Liberty 14 to 9, third seed Amador Valley 12 to 10, and top seed Clayton Valley Charter 12 to 11. And Freedom now moves on to the state tournament May 13th and 14th in Roseville. Well, best of luck to them. I wasn't a cheerleader, but I danced, and it is hard. You know, for people who say that it's not a sport, it's okay to be wrong. Stunt cheer is definitely a <laughs> yeah, sport. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Also this week, we have some divers make a splash. The Bay Valley Athletic League divers soared through the air during the league championship meet at Freedom High School on April 28th. A number of boys and girl divers will now advance to the North Coast section meet scheduled for May 5th. That list includes qualifiers from Heritage, Erica Krim and Ainsley Wachter and Liberty's Jordan Kem, Gavin Capelli and Anara Baker-Lauer. And the Liberty Baseball team wrapped up a league title this week with a win over rival Heritage 7-0 on May 3rd. Liberty's Cole Airhorn went the distance and held Heritage to just two hits in the Lions' victory. Liberty is now 9-0 in league play or against East County teams 
this season. So they're rolling. East County seems to be pulling in a lot of titles this week. Get it, East County. All right, and for the younger kids that want to win those titles one day, let's talk about some sign-ups. The Biddy Sports is kicking off an eight-week flag tag season for children ages four to six at the ball fields at 1250 O'Hara Avenue in Oakley from June 11th to August 6th. For those who are interested in joining, they can call 925-625-7041. And that's flag football, correct? Essentially, yeah. Yeah, Flag football. I mean, fun. Yeah. Like a learning league. Exactly. Perfect. A precursor to flag football. Sure. For those who enjoy the water, Otter's swim team in Discovery Bay is starting its season. You can call Rick Pierce at 925-437-9538. And for those who just enjoy running around, there's always lacrosse. You can call Lori Boone at 925-876-4360. These are all great opportunities for these kids. I think anybody who's interested in playing these sports, getting some fresh air, should absolutely call and see where it goes. We're going to take a short break and hear from our sponsor once again. When we come back, there will be a story about bioengineering and one about a shooting in Oakley. Stay tuned. Today's episode of Clocked In With The Press is brought to you by our friends at Sip and Scoop in downtown Brentwood. Sip and Scoop started out as a food truck serving coffee, hot cocoa, and desserts on the go, but the demand was so high that they had to open a shop at 234 Oak Street. Here at Clocked In, we love Sip and Scoop. They're just a few doors down from our offices, and we're there often enough that they know our names and orders. It's like cheers, but better, because there's dessert. Try their cold brew coffee, or choose a latte or Americano for a classic coffee drink that can't be beat. And we haven't even talked about their breakfast sandwiches and avocado toast. Have I mentioned the root beer flows and the iced lemonades? Those are my personal favorites. Okay, obviously I could talk about food all day, but here's the point. You gotta go to Sip and Scoop. Visit them at 234 Oak Street in downtown Brentwood or have Sip and Scoop brought to you wherever you are by DoorDash. Having an event? Let Sip and Scoop cater it. Give them a call at 925-684-7710 to find out more. Thanks again to this week's sponsor. Let's jump into the first story. So Heritage students took first place in a bioengineering competition. The Heritage High School team of junior Brendan Chang, senior Aaron Wong, junior Annalise Coker, junior Raziel Ardaniel, and sophomore Zane Memon recently took first place in a UC Berkeley bioengineering honor society competition. Working in groups of four to five, high school students explore and study bioengineering, allowing students to tackle a problem and solution in healthcare during a seven-week competition. The team won with their presentation of a novel jet injection system, which is intended to help fix problems for people who use needles frequently but who have medical problems. Global health organizations confirm the problem of reusing needle injection equipment and accidental needle stick injuries contribute to a variety of blood-transmitted viruses such as HIV and HBV. The World Health Organization confirmed that 16 billion injections using reused needles contribute to 40% of infections. Heritage's novel jet injection system incorporates a disposable needleless injection cartridge sealed during manufacturing processes to reduce contamination of any needles as well as surface-to-surface transmission by ejecting cartridges after each use in a biohazard container. With a cartridge made of two parts with compressible and incompressible fluid jets to create a reservoir in the skin to allow all medication to be ejected in a quick and efficient manner depending on how much force is used. The UC Berkeley Bioengineering Honor Society hosts the competition each spring, along with mentorship and advice from members of the bioengineering program. After the students' seven-week preparation, contestants present their problem, proposed solution, and analysis of potential concerns to panels of professors, industry professionals, and graduate students in a final research symposium. 
Hey, congratulations to the team from Heritage. You know, that's a wonderful achievement. Mm -hmm. It's very impressive what they were able to put together for this competition. It sounds like straight up sci-fi stuff. So I love to see our high school students who are just killing it. Just at, innovation you know, at its best. Right, right. Innovative and, and smart as heck. What an honor to, to take home that prize. In our final story for today, the juvenile suspect in a shooting of a boy in Oakley on April 29th has turned himself in to Oakley police, the agency said. The unidentified suspect was charged with assault with a deadly weapon and booked into Contra Costa Juvenile Hall, Lieutenant Robert Roberts said. The shooting victim, whom police didn't identify because he is also a minor, was not seriously injured in the incident that took place on Friday, April 29th at about 10.40 p.m. on Grapevine Lane in Oakley. Sergeant Collier said it's believed that an argument preceded the shooting, but the relationship between the victim and suspect is unknown. He noted the suspected weapon used in the shooting was recovered inside a home, the suspected scene of the shooting. Police said four people, including the victim, immediately left the home when police arrived, but the suspect was nowhere to be found that night. So I was actually on this scene Friday night. It came in really just as I was getting ready to go to bed. But when I arrived, they had managed to get the victim from the house and they were taking him in the ambulance. Luckily, it wasn't a very serious wound. He was shot in the hip and then was released really by the time they had managed to clear the house. But they had drones. They had sheriff out there, Brentwood PD, Oakley PD. I even saw a cruiser from Pittsburgh. So lots of mutual aid. They were able to use the technology. And, the, and this is what I really find the most interesting part. They were able to use so much technology between an exterior drone to check the property on the outside, but they were able to use a smaller drone. They actually sent it into the home and were able to fly it through and were reasonably certain that it was empty, but in order to make sure that there was reduced threat to their officers before sending them in to officially clear the home. It was an interesting learning experience, I guess. It's not the first scene that I've been at where a subject has barricaded himself into the home. In this case, obviously, this juvenile did not. He in the commotion, managed to take off. But then just yesterday, we received word that he had turned himself into Oakley PD. Yeah, for those listening who don't know, Melissa is our breaking news reporter, so she tends to have kind of the inside dirt on stories <laughs> like this. Yeah, I don't I don't just like follow, you know, I don't just chase ambulances around. I actually get to do it as part of my job. But the fortunate part of the story is that the victim was not seriously harmed. And for the most part, it was resolved fairly incident free. Correct. And the suspect is now in custody and will face the consequences of their choices. Let's talk about some upcoming events. We have Friday Night Bites coming up this Friday. It's a monthly celebration of community music and curbside cuisine at Oakley Civic Center Plaza from 5 to 9 p.m. It will feature gourmet food trucks, including desserts and beer. And event officials say that more activities will be planned when the COVID pandemic calms down. This week is especially special because we're going to be celebrating Greg's birthday. And from what I understand, he's giving away free cake to the first 500 attendees who wish him a happy birthday, that is. Kyle, who is Greg? There is, has been a lot of mystery there. I, I saw in the, uh, in the ad, people say Greg. I saw an Oakley Rotary ad on Facebook, Greg. Let's just burst everyone's bubble and say it's the publisher of the press, Greg Robinson. The man, the myth, the legend. Greg is our <laughs> fearless leader over at the press, and I believe he ordered five sheet cakes to feed 500 people, and I'm, I'm super bummed. 
that I'm going to be out of town. I won't be able to be there, but everyone else should come out and definitely say happy birthday, have some cake, have some beer, listen to some great music, eat some great food. Yes, yes. the 925 band will be there as well performing because this is the first of a series of concerts that are going to be happening throughout summer. Correct. The Friday Night Bites will take place on the first Friday of every month at Oakley Civic Center Plaza. Another option for Friday night, Downtown Brentwood Coalition is hosting a free Mom's Night Out from 6 to 8 p.m. in Downtown Brentwood. You can check in between 5.30 and 6.30 at 238 Oak Street at Shannon White Photography, located inside the little boutique Wild at Heart. There'll be a photo opportunity with flowers from Sam and Sid, and attendees will receive a walking card showing all the treats, sips, and specials just for them. The event is free, and the organization is looking forward to seeing attendees and showering them with special treatment. For those of you who don't know, we do have a calendar page on our website, and there are also plenty of really interesting events happening on Saturday, May 7th that you can check out. There's a worm composting workshop. There's an interfaith Ukrainian peace concert. There's a big flea market happening in Oakley. And then the Delta Informal Gardeners are hosting their annual plant sale. So a ton to check out. Check it out on our website. It's under the calendar link. And then, of course, Sunday is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah. So to all moms out there, have a wonderful day. I hope you are spoiled rotten. Caitlin, what are you, what are you doing for your mom for Mother's Day? I was going to get her some, like, C's candy, some flowers, and then I was going to take her to a restaurant that is slightly out of budget, but I'll do it for her. <laughs> How about you, gentlemen? What's your plan with moms? Are you hanging out with mom on Mother's Day? Oh, yeah. I think I'm going to go take my mom and my grandma out to lunch in Concord. I love it. He's doubling up. <laughs> I'm not sure my mom listens to the podcast, so mine's going to be confidential for the time being. <laughs> <laughs> just in case. Just in case. Well, my mom lives on the East Coast, so I had to order her a gift. It'll be there today. And then I have no idea what my family has planned, but we will be in Arnold this weekend. Mm-hmm. I know that my husband and kids have something in store, even though I told them not to. Oh, every so we'll mom see. tells you not to. That's I like know, when you I ask know. your mom, no, like, no, it's what, do you, what do you want for Christmas? Oh, I don't need anything this year. <laughs> Trap card right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not why I do it. I'm happy to be able to spend time with my family this weekend. That's our love language. Maybe we'll go on a little hike if it's not snowing and look at some some big sequoias. That's, that's, my, that's my perfect Mother's Day. We've got one more big thing before we go. At the top of the episode, I did promise a special message, and I'm going to turn it over to Caitlin to explain why. I am leaving the press. So this is actually going to be my last episode. It's been a lot of fun doing the podcast. I love all of you guys. You're great to work with. But I am going to grad school in San Francisco. Congrats! Thank you. I didn't think I'd get in. (laughs) (laughs) But it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm, I'm really happy with how the podcast has turned out. And I look forward to still listening to it as it goes on right because this was kind of your baby the podcast it was it was just me and brian right and i want to take a moment because the podcast did start just as caitlin and brian i want to turn the mic over to brian for a moment to say what he would like to say caitlin i am gonna miss you as being a part of this podcast it's been a lot of fun working with you for those that don't know caitlin was the catalyst for the creation of this podcast she advocated for its creation developed endless content managed our social media communicated with guests and pretty much played an active role at every level of the podcast from pre-production to release. And so it's safe to say that without Caitlin, this podcast would not be what it is today. And in fact, it wouldn't exist at all. I've spent a lot of time with Caitlin over the last year and 65 episodes as of today. I know. (laughs) 
and I'm going to miss your positive attitude and your infectious laughter. Caitlin, your bloopers will remain enshrined in my hard drive forever. (laughs) (laughs) And I wish you the best in your future endeavors. And I know you're going to have a long, successful career ahead of you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. you That's from both of us, by the way. (laughs) If you you fail, just know you're always welcome back. (laughs) Thank you, Kyle. (laughs) Brian's always been really good about removing any bloopers for listeners because normally if I mess up, I'll go. (laughs) But but Brian's Brian's been really good about making me sound smart on this podcast. And I'm really going to miss it because I don't have an edit function (laughs) in normal conversation. Yeah, we're just so thankful for Caitlin, you know, for putting this podcast together and now, you know, bringing us all on one by one by one till it's now a whole panel as opposed to just you talking into a microphone. I'm going to miss our morning walks to Sip and Scoop. I'm not going to lie. I know. Or our <laughs> daily trips to the gas station. Right. Just thank you, Caitlin. You've done a wonderful job and we'll try to carry it forward. Wow, I feel emotional. <laughs> oh, don't cry. Don't worry, I'm not going to. Okay. <laughs> well, I can't. I cannot think of a better note to end it on. Melissa, do you want to take us home? Absolutely. That is it for today's episode of Clocked In with the Press. We appreciate you taking the time to listen in, and we look forward to speaking with you in future episodes. If you would like to read more news stories of East Contra Costa County, you can do so through our website at www.thepress.net or through our Twitter and Instagram at Press Clocked In. Contact us with your thoughts on this episode or any others by emailing podcasts at brentwoodpress.com. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for our next episode where we speak with Jeff Palmquist, the Oakley Union Elementary School District Superintendent. We will speak with you all next time. This is Melissa. And for the last time, Caitlin Gleason. Kyle Smansky. And Jake, one name like Cher. Clocking out. again to this week's sponsor, Sip and Scoop. Remember that feeling of hearing the ice cream truck coming down the street as a kid? Bring back that feeling by visiting Sip and Scoop. They started out as a truck too, and now they have a brick and mortar shop right here in Brentwood, so you don't have to chase them down the block. Sip and Scoop has all kinds of high quality desserts to satisfy any sweet tooth. Gelato, root beer floats, and iced coffees are just a few of my favorites. And the whole menu is available to go on DoorDash. Stop by their shop in downtown Brentwood and get your scoop on.